Welcome to the Acting Asian Podcast, diving into a journey of acting as an Asian, as well as moments we find ourselves performing Asian. Hello everyone, today I have a dear guest. I've known her for since the pandemic started practically, and she has so much insight in regards to stage management, which is something I don't really know as much of. So I thought I'd bring her on to this podcast. So listen in. Hello, Mina. Hello. I am so happy to see you. We had this early um, setup malfunction, but we're good. We're now on the Zoom. Um, but yeah, I got to know you a little bit through Starry, I think. That's when we kind of got to know each other. And then we added each other on Instagram, and it's just great to see your stories and everything that's going on with you. So would you love to like introduce yourself to the audience who's listening right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, hey, y'all. My name is Mina Kopp. Um, I am a junior stage manager here at Pace. Um, uh, as of right now, I, you know, obviously work in stage management and also kind of transitioning over into tour management within the music industry. So um, I, you know, really picked a great time to focus on live entertainment. Um, and yeah, that's like my like educational work background. Um, my, as for like my, um, ethnic racial background. I am a Japanese American, half Japanese, um, half white, um, you know, and that's really my whole kind of situation. Um, should I just dive into like my background? How yeah, of course, of course, go for it. <laughs> go for it, yeah. <laughs> um, I think this is a story that is very familiar to a lot of, um, you know, mixed Asian kids. Uh, I grew up in a military family. And so I never spent my life in one place for more than like three or four years. Um, so yeah, I grew up um, all along. I've never lived on the West Coast. Like I've lived in other countries. Like I lived in Japan for I think like seven years total. And that was like really awesome. I loved it, um, but never on the West Coast for some reason. And I still have like yet to be there for like an extended amount of time. Like we drove through um, like our first time coming back to America after living in Japan. Like we drove through, did a little cross country trip, but I've still never been to the West Coast. Um, and so I lived in like Florida, both Carolinas, Virginia, and then obviously I did a little little stint in um, Japan. Uh, and so growing up that way, I think has definitely been very formative to like who I am now. Um, because, you know, I hear, you know, just like within the community, I hear a lot of people talking about like how isolating it was at moments, you know, being minorities and like, you know, this world that we live in, you know, living in like you know, majority white communities. And that was very much not the case for me. Um, I think, especially living in Japan, growing up around military families, you know, <laughs> you know, the stereotype of like the military guys with the Asian wives is very, very much true uh, to my dad, if you're listening to this. Hey pops, love you. Um, <laughs> so, um, but like, you know, it is like as much as it is a stereotype, it's very much true. Um, I, you know, I love my parents, so they are absolutely incredible. Um, but I did have a community growing up there. Um, so for the most part, I think I 
was very fortunate to grow up with a lot of kids who were going through the same thing as I was going through, you know, not only with like discovering ourselves and like trying to keep in touch with like our culture and our identities, but also like just the, just like how hard it was sometimes to like have to move and like leave people every few years. Um, I still keep in touch with um, some people that, you know, I was stationed with, um, you know, forever ago, my best friend of all time, Haley. Uh, we met in North Carolina. And so she's been my best friend through and throughout these years. Um, and so, yeah, um, that's how it was. So I didn't really get to live in one place, uh, but if anyone's, you know, people ask like, oh, where's your favorite place to live in? It's It was Japan, hands down. Like the 7-Elevens there are great, like very much lives up to the stereotype of the 7-Elevens, like they were incredible. Um, but yeah, no, definitely like my favorite place to live. And I um, don't get to see my family there super often. I do miss them a lot. And so that was really nice being able to see them so often. Wow, oh my God, that's a, that's a lot. And I did not know that you were a military kid. So you traveled all over the place. I'm curious, like where in Japan were you living in during the time? Um, I was born in Okinawa, um, and then we moved to, I was born in Okinawa, came back to the States for a little bit, and then we lived in Iwakuni for a little bit. Um, a lot of people don't really know about, like, there is a base there, not a lot of people know about it just because, like, it's tiny, uh, but my mom's family is from uh, Hiroshima, um, so, you know, it was, like, really close by, and so we got to see them really often. That was really sweet. What are these certain experiences that you think are kind of exclusively like within the environment that you were in um, that kind of differs a little bit from this college experience or no high school experience that we've kind of been like used to knowing about? I would say kind of the the independence. I think that has like really helped, um, you know, being a stage manager, you know, kind of being thrown on the shows like very suddenly, like that is very similar to like joining a new high school. Like it's the same thing. And so like my technique was like, you find the one person that looks like you and you stick with them. Um, and both of the people, I did that when I came to Virginia or when I lived in Virginia and I did that when I came here and now both of them are my roommate. <laughs> that pattern of migration, you know, like living in a bunch of places. And when I hear people talk about like living in the same place, like their entire lives, like that is absolutely nuts to me. I'm like, but don't you get bored? And like that kind of thing. I'm like, how, like, I have seen like, what, five or six different houses, like in my lifetime. I'm like, but imagine like seeing like one house, like that's, it's nuts. I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting, especially when you mentioned 7-Eleven. Like in Taiwan, we have so many 7-Elevens. Like you walk every freaking corner and then you can see them and they're so nice. They're so good. They have like latest technology. They have clothes there, like anything you want. And I remember when I went to Japan, there was like Muji there. It was just like stationaries. Oh my God, it was just such an amazing opportunity. I'm so glad that you had the opportunity to be living in a different place too that's apart from being in like america i guess we'll go into stage managing because you did also talk about that do you remember like the youngest or the memories you had of wanting to potentially be a stage manager or was that something as you like grew later in the years where you're like that's something that i really wanted to do i think that my 
stage management experience is a very universal one for all stage managers. You know, like we all started out as actors, realized we didn't like it, still wanted to do theater, and now here we are. Um, I, yeah, I, so I started out, um, you know, I did my little plays in elementary school. If you ask my mom about it, she'll tell you about the time I was the littlest Christmas tree, the littlest Christmas tree. Um, and so, <laughs> Um, and you know, over time, like I did, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I loved theater, but I was like, I was like, man, I just I hate acting. Like, this is awful. And that was when I lived in North Carolina. And at the time I was also part of a robotics team. Um, and yeah, yeah, strange. Wow, I love that. <laughs> and so for the robot, I was like the project manager for the robotics team, which is fundamentally the same thing as stage management. And so I remember I was like, you know, I, I love robotics for what it is, you know, like it was very fun, like very creative, even though like it's, you know, when you think of like um, STEM, you don't necessarily think like creativity, but like in terms of this, like this space, it very much was, but I still missed theater because I was, um, you know, in robotics, it was like a very like male dominated space and I was tired of having to like fight for it all the time and I was like this is fucking awful let me go back to theater and so I did and so I went to my theater teacher and I was like what is like a project manager but for like theater and she was like oh stage management and I was like okay how do I do that and she put me on and look where we are now that's so interesting that you had like a robotics background or to some degree it's like it is a creative endeavor. I think when I was younger, I did like this robotic summer camp, but it was so like, I'm so bad at like technical stuff. So it was just my partner who was there just like helping me do all this stuff. And I was like, oh, it just looks like that. This is what it looks like and it can move. <laughs> oh my God, I build all the furniture for this apartment. <laughs> That's like, it hasn't left. I love building furniture. You know it's like in like a few, Month, a couple months ago and I built the couch it's a beautiful green couch and I love it so much um next time you can help me with assemble. <laughs> when I had to like assemble my desk I was so my brother was here and I was so mad I was like I hate this why the hell am I doing this this is just such a horrible thing and I was like texting my dad and I was like I hate this I can't do any furniture at all <laughs> so <laughs> I guess that definitely comes with the stage managing component over there. So that's really cool. I love that. And I think it's really amazing that you kind of figured out, you're like, this is something I didn't want, especially being as it was a male dominated space. Um, hopefully within, I do think within tech and robotics, that's something so interesting as a career to potentially pursue if that was something you were interested in. But yeah, also stage managing is such a special and like, so integral when it comes to theater making because if you don't have stage managers like how in the world can you make a production actually happen how are your family in terms of recognizing of you wanting to do this creative endeavor and pursue that for college i've said it before now and i like will say it again i will like scream it into the universe but like i hit like the parent jackpot like my parents are fucking awesome and so um you know my mom she loves her little broadway shows and so <laughs> i like really started committing to it um like she's like every time i get in the car like when i come home she's like listen to what seth radetsky said and i'm like oh my god um 
so they were very supportive and like I literally cannot express like how thankful I am that they've been like very you know especially in like you know because like the arts is like very notorious for not being like you know a very stable career and they were you know I think they were like well she's been like you know very determined her whole life and I think that they saw that they felt that I would be capable of like you know going for what I wanted and you know being able to achieve that and whenever I talk about like something I you know a goal I have my mom you know I'll be like oh you know if I manage to do this my mom will be like no when you do it and I'm like when I do it and so like really they're like my biggest cheerleaders and like even now like with um live entertainment being so like just not here right now they've been really supportive this entire time and so they've been like you know focus on your school work like do what you can and like graduate and like you know everything like they're very much like it'll be fine it'll be okay and so they like they they're absolutely incredible I, I love my parents oh my god <laughs> My heart is so warm just hearing all that and it's amazing to like also know that they're supporting you even with like what's going on with the pandemic and I'm curious on how you feel in terms of live theater right now because of the whole pandemic still persisting on um, how is it for your classes and just like stage management or your overall like thoughts and views on what has been going on for the past few months for you and how that kind of affects your endeavors as well as a stage manager. I would do criminal things to be back in a rehearsal room right now, like a real live rehearsal room. Um, this is recorded, careful. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, I, you know, I just like doing a zoomsicle is not the same fucking thing. It's like, you know, I, um, as of right now, as we are recording this, we are, we just moved into like the editing phase for Pace the Musicals. And it's been like, I am, I, you know, I'm very grateful that I was able to kind of navigate a virtual format with a, you know, a program that I am very familiar with. This is my third year on it. And, you know, also having kind of that creative team of alumni and like current students was also, I think, kind of a lifesaver for me because they are going like they're going through exa the exact like we are all like having a hard time doing this in a virtual format. And so it was like, I think we created a space like where we could all like sit and be like, this fucking sucks. Like doing it over Zoom is awful. And, you know, we wish we could be there in person, but it's like, we have to persevere. And like, you know, the art, you know, we'll, you know, at some point we will be able to, to do this in like a live format, but you know, just not right now. And like, we're gonna make do with like the best that we can. Um, and so I just like, it's, I hate, I hate doing it over Zoom and it's like not the same. It's like you lose all of those like special little moments you have backstage with like the actors and stuff like that. Um, as a stage manager, I feel, I kind of fell into like a very actor oriented kind of angle, um, especially like as an ASM. Um, I kind of felt like I was always the one that was, you know, going out, talking to the cast, being like, hey, what the hell is up? Like, what do you need? Do you need water? Yada, yada, yada. Um, and so I just like, haven't been able you know as a PSM I can't really do that but um 
I can't imagine like how it is now, you know, not being able to connect with a cast like that, you know, having your little jokey jokes um, out in like the lobby of Shaverly or whatever. It's like that, like, I really do, like, I miss like the human aspect of it. And like Zoom has just completely eliminated it. And while I'm like very like grateful and thankful to be able to have the opportunity to like facilitate the creation of art, it's like, it's not as fulfilling as it normally is because I can't have that personal connection with people like I normally do. Mm, I see. Yeah, no, definitely. I think even within my program of like, we're just doing acting and we often say like, well, our program is like film and television. So we just need to act on a screen and stuff like that. But it's just so different from like actually having the presence of someone being there because you're feeding off of their energy and you're like, oh, you can see their mannerism. You can see how they like, go about with certain things and you have side conversations that when I'm on a zoom class and then once it ends like we don't have side conversations while we're waiting on the elevator hopefully for like listeners I want them to kind of know more on like the title of you being as a stage manager and also your program as well if you could be able to explain a little bit about your role being a stage manager that would be wonderful actually that's (laughs) all the time I'm like what do you do and I'm like man that is a great deep question like wow it's like literally like I there's no like phrase I can really like put like there's no like good perfect phrase like describe stage management like you know like you see the acting happening and you see like the directing happening and you're like but what's happening behind the scenes to make sure that happens and so I, I think that's like where stage management, like how the fuck do the actors know to get there at 10 a.m. on a Saturday? Stage management. And so, you know, it's like those kind of little background things that keep the cogs turning. And so, um, you know, as a stage manager, like it's very much like scheduling, coordinating, um, you know, kind of being a hub of communication between like the creative side and like um, the like creative production, like uh directors like the shop heads um company management that kind of thing it's like everything just kind of all the information just kind of converges and we have to be the ones to make sure it gets to the right place um so specifically in terms of like you know i'm gonna i'm gonna keep i think i'm gonna keep drawing on pnm because like i just did that and i think um so like within a virtual format uh you know it's very much like communicating between like the directors and the actors, like them being like, hey, we need these self-tapes in by tonight and us being like, cool, hey, actors, this is what we need in by tonight, this is your deadline. If you have any questions, if you need anything else, like let us know. And then once we get those back in, we're the ones to take it, be like, here, editors, this is what we've got for you from the actors. Let us know if you need anything else. In terms of the program, um, first off, I love, love my program um i you know truly so much love for everyone in it and we all like i think we all like really grew up a lot together and so i think like you know these are like very close friends i'm gonna have for like a very long time uh considering how like much we developed like just over the last few years um like personally and like professionally kind of thing for our training um if anyone is listening to this and is like hey i don't know if i should come to pace for stage management do it it's a great program do it um and so like through there like as of right now the curriculum is always changing because chris is nuts and he wants to make everything better for us all the time which is really sweet um and so as of right now you know you start out with your typical like first level um paperwork and then you move into 
what is stage management too? Oh, like paperwork. And then you move into like rehearsal room things. You know, it's like, how do you set up the chairs? Like, um, you know, what do we have on the props tables in, re in rehearsals? How do you make like rehearsal props on the fly? Because the director's like, we need a fake phone right now. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, and then the third level is scripts. Oh my God. Oh, scripts. <laughs> awful um it's just retyping a bunch of scripts for an entire semester oh yeah. my god <laughs> it was i i i was like genuinely so worried i was like oh my god i'm like 19 and i have carpal tunnel um i didn't <laughs> <laughs> um stage management for is unions and stuff like that so it's going over union rules and you know really becoming familiar with those um oh one thing i do have to mention um I don't know if you heard about it, but like SAG-AFTRA, like they, you know, talked about, I it was SAG-AFTRA, they were going to have a new like thing for influencers. I think you posted on your Instagram story. I did post on my story about it. I like, I heard the news like through um, a group chat I have with um, some kids at uh, Warner Music and I like lost my shit in the group chat. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Are you joking? And this is like, this is like what I've, I, I was like, I'd never been so grateful for like an entire semester of learning about unions because I like, I was so pissed about it. I like went off. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Ah, so mad about it. <laughs> Wait, I'd love to hear on your take on unions because that's something that we hear about it. Like, oh, after we graduate, like, oh, it's best to be union certified because then you get like benefits and stuff. Um, and all this like accreditation and stuff, but I'm curious as like a stage manager and how you've learned about it, what are the frustrations you kind of have upon learning about it? I, I don't know, like, you know, right now working as, you know, a non-equity stage manager, there's really like no complaints to be made right now, but I do know that there's a lot of like frustrations with recognition like within, um, I think like one of the issue with stage managers and unions, unions, ooh, unions right now is really like more of an identity crisis than anything else, I would say, because, you know, we are a part of actors equity and a lot of people feel that we would be better suited in like IOTC, you know, which is like a tech union. And it's like, yeah, that makes sense. But also you have to consider like with actors and stuff like that, like considering our role is so integral to theirs, like how closely we are connected. It's also like, well, you know, maybe it is good to be like part of their union so that we like the rules that affect them affect us. And so it's like a little more of like a deeper understanding. Like I'm not I didn't come from like a union family. So I never really like heard about it until like I got to pace. And then I was like, why don't we have more of these? Like, this is great. People get like benefits. Like, are you kidding me? Like as people who are like typically known as freelancers, like we get benefits. No way. Um, I think unions are very important in that they keep us safe mm. for the most part. Uh, he does get like real snippy on Twitter. I think it's so funny. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. This is really interesting when you're saying like this new approval of like TikTok influencers can have the ability to be SAG after like that is such a game changer. Like it makes me want to go on TikTok and try to- <laughs> Whoa, whoa. <laughs> different i think it really goes to show that the entertainment industry is really changing up where it's not just like this traditional part of what we see of unions and how to get sag certified you 
have different venues that are being approved of, which allows more, hopefully more opportunities and more openness for people to join in. Like not only on theater, are you the backbone, but also within film, I believe. That's something that um, when we hear on stage management, we don't often hear as much because we think of it more so as a theater certified Mm -hmm. um, part. But it's also really important to recognize that like for film and television, like you are also there kind of managing in some part. Like it's almost like you're a director of making a production happen, which is why I'm like driving into the amount of importance that you all have um, being able to be there. And I remember you mentioned the importance of how like stage managers are there for the actors too. It's not just for the directors. Whenever there are moments of inequity, either it be something racial or discrimination based, um, how do you manage these certain things? Especially when we're all students too and with CR Trues going on, this is still a very alive and prevalent thing. I have so many thoughts about this. Um, First and foremost, I believe that the stage management team should reflect the casting of a show. I think it is considering, you know, what you put out on stage is so, so personal. And, you know, I, like, it's just, like, watching actors, like, you know, do their little thing and, like, but, like, just watching them pull from, like, their personal years of, like, experience and, like, what they've gone through, like, growing up and, like, what's shaped them to become, like, who they are now, like, channeling that into, like, creating a character is fucking unbelievable. It's phenomenal to watch. And so, like, as a stage manager, I think it is kind of our fundamental priority to be able to create a space in which they can do that safely you know not only like physically but like also like emotionally you know they're like laying their bare selves out onto the ground before you and like you have to make sure that they're okay walking away from this because I can like it's a lot like you know it's watching people like do really emotional scenes like you know they come off stage like they're done like they're exhausted and like you know experiencing that a few times you're realizing like oh it's not just like this isn't just like some front they're putting up like this is like a part of themselves that they're putting into this um and so you know especially being like theater makers of color i think it is so important that you know um especially with like stage management reflecting the casting of a show that really just like in the first part helps like kind of bypass any like racial issues you might have because right there the people you're going to are going to understand what's going on because um you know like they you know fucking miss saigon for example ugh you know looking at the stage management team for that i was like hmm interesting okay um uh, you know you would think in a show about Asian people, which I, you know, you can't even really say it's about like Vietnam because, you know, it's, you know, that, that show has like its whole, it, like, we'll unpack that another time. Um, but like you would think like in a show, like whose casting is dominated by a certain like a racial group, like you would want the team that's supposed to be there for them to be of that racial group because if they are having like personal issues, um, you know, they're going to immediately understand. It's like kind of you walk into a room, you see people that look like you, that's familiar. Yeah. You are immediately like at ease. When I'm on the train, if I see like a little old Asian lady, I'm like, I know I'm safe. You know? 
Yeah. Oh my god. Um, no, I think, and it's also like, you know, like just coming from personal experience. This is like a very like long winded thing. Um, yeah, go for it. Like I like this is like something that is like like really fucking important to me. Um, you know, in a show that happened, it will not be named. Um, but. For those listening, if you were there, you know exactly what the hell I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> uh, so there was a show I did about a year ago, um, and we had a couple of white, di- not directors, um, writers, white writers, that's a tongue twister, um, writing a show about the experiences of people of color, specifically black people in New Orleans after a hurricane. I remember hearing that and being like, okay, maybe they're from there, I don't know. As you can expect, it didn't go well. We, you know, it's Pace MT, like the cast was, you know, majority people of color. And very, very quickly, we started to have issues. you know, not even like just like focusing on like the racial issues for now, because there were so many more like underlying issues that did happen. Um, And it was like, I feel, you know, me, I was the only um, person of color in the stage management team. And so I think that's where I kind of automatically fell into the actor facing role first of being like, hey, what the hell is happening? What is up? come talk to me and we'll see if we can figure this out. Um, And so we had like several incidents of like these, you know, aforementioned racial issues of like, you know, the writer saying some really out of pocket shit or like writing some like wildly out of pocket shit. And it was like one of those, it was one of those situations where it was like really hard to stand up and be like, you cannot, like, it was, you know, us like this group of like 18 to 20 year olds like standing up to like these two like middle-aged white dudes and being like you can't fucking like you can't do this like this is awful this is like pretty racist like it's man what are you doing what is going on um and so i think in their heads it was like very much like oh an authenticity thing but it was not it was just wildly fucking racist um and so you know that's also where another you know like don't write about shit that you don't know about like don't try to write about other races that's fucking weird like just don't (laughs) don't do that um and so that's like very much and so because i think uh, you know like as a person of color being able to like understand where they're like as a person of color coming to a cast of you know mainly people of color being like what are these issues coming from like having you know, our univer- our experiences are not the same, but we do have like very universal experiences. And so like, I think I was able to understand like, you know, why were they upset? Oh, it's because of this, because I've experienced it. I know what it feels like. Um, and so, you know, where other people, um, you know, may have been like, oh, that's like not really a big issue. Like, no, it, like as a person of color, like I understand, like that is a big issue. The argument is a lot of like, it doesn't matter like how, like what you look like, it matters how well you can do the job. And I understand where that point comes from. I think, I think it's a very valid point. Like, you know, stage management, you're not really meant to be there for like, you're meant to be there for, um, not for like creative reasons, but for management reasons, for, you know, functionality reasons. But 
just the nature of our job being so face-to-face with actors and creatives like you are you know just by default going to fall into the trap of being there to take care of your problems and if you don't understand like their problems where they're coming from why they're having them then I really don't think that you can help them in a way that they want to be helped kind of thing and so in terms of like dealing with these issues it was incredibly frustrating because we were going you know we were going up ahead you know people weren't listening and like it did eventually come to like a boiling point and it was absolutely not fun terrible time i don't want to relive it like i like i just never want to like do that show again but i do think i was very lucky to be on the team that i was on because when i was trying to support like if i was trying to support a cast member i'd come back and you know they would they would be there for me you know as a person um and it was like very sweet it like really brought us all closer together it's <laughs> just so like i don't know just these awful experiences like really bring like they it shouldn't have like it shouldn't have to happen in the first place but like you know it really kind of creates like a weird fucking bond between like you and the other people like going through like very similar awful experiences you know you were kind of in the middle ground to some degree because like the writers are there to talk to you um also upper management quote unquote are there to like talk to you to make sure like you and your team get things done but you also recognize that there's actors that don't feel comfortable with this overall production. And then you're kind of in the middle of, you're like, I empathize with these people, but you happen to empathize a lot with these people. And how can you like find this middle ground or reach this compromise with upper management, which is like a little difficult to like, as you mentioned, it was like 18 to 20 year old people who are trying to talk with people who are like white and like 30 or 40s. That's like such a really strong like responsibility that is put onto you um, and your team and also the actors to some degree. But I think it's so important, like your job is just phenomenal and also like really tricky. Like how do you navigate these situations, especially as you mentioned before, you were the only person of color in the mm -hmm. stage management team. I guess this leads for me to talk about like identity to some degree. I think um, you did mention a little bit that you are part Japanese and also part white. Being biracial and kind of navigating all these things of cultural identity, was that something that you often felt of or was really conscious of at a young age? When growing up, frankly no i was in an environment where i was surrounded by a bunch of these like biracial kids and so you know we all got along um but i also think you know growing up in that like starting out growing up in that environment just kind of made me like not very like you know like when you're looking back on a situation when you're older and you're like that was kind of fucked up you know i've had like a lot of those moments you know since like you know becoming older and like looking back on my past and like thinking about um you know how like formative it was like who i am as a person like growing like growing up i was pretty like you know like the horses that were the blinders on the side i was like not really paying attention to what was going on you know i just like cared about like school and ballet and going to kumon and stuff like that oh no kumon no <laughs> no <laughs> i hate kumon <laughs> you get it you get it um and so like i mean growing up it not really like it wasn't really something i noticed until i like start i when i would say like living in 
North Carolina, I would say. Um, just because that was like one of the first few times, like, I think that was like one of the first times I like really remember living off base, like on base, you are surrounded by like these like half Asian, half white kids because you're on a military base. Um, but like living off base in North Carolina, that's when I really became like aware of it. Um, because we were living in like rural North Carolina and you know, out of place. I was real out of place. I found like with the one other, like I'm still, you know, weird like little distant mutuals with like the one other Japanese American kid that was at my school. Um, that's also where I met my best friend. And so that's like when I like really started to become aware of it. Um, but that was like also incredibly brief because, you know, I was only there for three years and then I moved up to Virginia and where we live is a very, it's, it's a very diverse area. Um, like I, in Northern Virginia, Nova, um, shout out to everyone from the DMV. Um, <laughs> um, it's like, you know, we live like half an hour from Centerville, which is like a very like large Korean population. And so like growing up there is like, yeah, it's fine. Like, this is cool. Um, and so like, you know, not really then. I think there's like been two phases where I've been like very aware of my identity. And that was like living in North Carolina and then coming here and like just being surrounded by a community. And I think that it is so, it's like, a, you know, I have a little giggle about this every once in a while, but it's also so touching to me. Like I see, I see other Asian Americans and I'm like, we are going to be friends. I love that. No, that's literally me. With us. <laughs> I'm like, we like, we automatically like, we know each other, like we know what's up. We already have like a basic understanding, you know, like we're gonna be friends. Like we don't have to like get through all that shit. Like I don't have to explain stuff to you. Like you, you get it. It's great and wonderful. Like, I mean, there's moments where you're really conscious about it, but also because in a moment you were in an environment of people that were similar to you and had a similar upbringing. But then it was once you were out of like the military um, kids like group and you were then kind of being able to experience this different kind of environment, that's when you started to become more conscious of it. Were there certain specific places that felt most at home and like made you feel like this is who I am as a person or have you ever had moments of doubt? It's, you know, often I'm reminded that, you know, while you know i'm i'm half i'm like half japanese half white and a lot of the times like my family members they're like why aren't you never why aren't you like ever in touch with your white side i'm like first of all the only things you guys have are like nascar and hot beef (laughs) (laughs) but also it's like i do not walk through this world with like a white skin Like I, you know, the number of times, like, you know, my roommate, she was there with us. Like we had a a couple guys like lean in our Uber once and be like, hey, you ladies going to Chinatown? And we were like, no, we're not. Why would you say that to strangers? I'm pretty sure she has a tweet about it. Like, I don't identify with that side as hard because, you know, I've had, you know, experiences with them that are like, you know, with that side of the family that are like a little less than desirable. It kind of reminds, I don't, I don't know. It's like kind of tough. I don't know, it's like tough to verbalize. It's like, we are very much a part of the family, but sometimes we feel like we're not, mm. you know, 
like really on the outside looking in um and like with my uh Japanese side of the family it's like they I feel like they always have so much to offer especially like growing like the considering they're such different environments like now I try to like clutch on to as much of that culture as I can because I don't get to see them very often I get to see them every couple of years and so it's like those little things that kind of like remind me of like back home like hanging out with them you know I've never like heard any like nasty comments like about you know us from like their side I also like don't speak very good Japanese so if they have said it like either I didn't hear it or my mom didn't tell me but like my mom I feel like my mom would have told me you know she and I talk about everything but it's like never living in Japan it was never one of those moments where I just sit down and like question my identity like I just was who I was and it's like growing up like you know being with the white side of the family it's like a constant reminder of like oh you're kind of like you're different you know ah yeah it's very um and like this isn't to say that like I don't like I love that you know I love them for who they are um you know I love my family but it's like you know every once in a while it's like kind of like sad to be like oh like you know you see us as like a little different like Mm. like you know my mom's been around for 20 like my parents have been married for a long time like 25 years I've been around for 20, so there's no reason why you guys should be, like, looking at us funny, but, like, here we are, and so it's, like, I don't know, it's a little frustrating at times, and it's, like, we're, we're just, like, your grandkids or your nieces or, like, your, um, or your, like, sister-in-law, like, that's, that's just who we are to you, we, like, that's what we want to be to you, but it's, like, you're making it hard, like, you know, listening to you know them talk about like identity politics with us sitting at the table and it's like Mm. hearing them say things that are like you really don't know what it's like growing up like living like looking like this living in America like you really have no idea and it just like kind of it's like very much a reminder of like that like huge like there is like really a little bit of a divide and I like I love that side of the family but it's like I don't think they'll ever like really understand what it's like Mm. you know and I growing up like like this when you lived in Japan did you feel like for example for me when I lived when I lived in Taiwan for a little it's like I felt comfortable and that I was like everyone's so homogenized like literally everyone looks (laughs) literally comes from a similar background from me so I feel like that's a part of home because I don't necessarily feel out of place and even when I was living in California or my family currently lives there now I live in an Asian neighborhood, so the majority of people are Asian, and I grew up in California all in a predominantly Asian community, so I was so used to that, and it was only once I went to, like, Pace, and then I was like, whoa, people in my program, first of all, like, there's not a lot of people who look like me, and that was something that I had to get by, and when I'm in Taiwan, it's like, even though I feel comfortable and homogenized, there's still some part of me that feels a little bit out of place because when I speak Mandarin, I still have an accent. So when I talk with people, they're like, oh, so like, are you from here? Or like, you seem to have an accent. So that's like always kind of the part where I felt like, oh, I don't know where, like, I mean, in America, I do connect, I can speak and people won't necessarily question, but they can question because of how I look. There's just always these two different things where even though I feel comfortable here and I feel comfortable here, there's always some part like this edge where I don't feel like fully comfortable. Yeah. 
And I was curious if you may have felt this way in some part. I genuinely think that's why like <laughs> so many like Asian American friends because we get it we know like we all like understand what it's like to to be but also like not really be like you're in there but like not really um and so it's like just sharing this like both of my roommates are Asian American and so it's like we understand we all like we get it um in despite the fact that we've all had like very different like backgrounds growing up like you know that experience of like growing up Asian American is still like a very common thing mm. um and so it's like it's like hilarious like looking back on like my my friend history you know throughout um throughout the years and most of like the first friends I have made like at schools <laughs> have been like Asian American kids because it's like it's familiar it's comforting I know that you understand where I'm coming from because we walk through like the world like looking the way that we do and we understand what it's like um and so that just like <laughs> it's so fucking funny to me <laughs> I love how there's like this relatability because then there's this common ground that we all kind of resonate to some degree even though our upbringings are like different but the feelings of sometimes feeling like we're an outsider is kind of similar are there specific things that you felt like maybe like being in the program or being like in a pwi as pace is that you felt like maybe there was this like lack of representation i'm just curious about like how representation revolves because you did dabble a little bit about that um, when it comes to stage managing yeah um i mean literally if you just look at the program at face value like it is not a very diverse program not like to the like to anyone's like specific fault it's just like pace is fucking expensive Big and I, like that's literally the first barrier and so like I've seen like steps being made to make the program more diverse, but it is literally just that one thing that keeps it from, you know, us being able to create a more diverse environment for ourselves. Um, and it's just like so frustrating, like seeing all these like insanely like talented kids like come in and, you know, we love them. And we're like, oh my God, come on in. And then they're like, I can't like like the financial like it is heartbreaking because you know like you look at someone and i'm like you would be such a good fit oh my god um and it's like so sad to me for those of us who are like stage managers of color like there are like small associations like you know just kind of peppered in throughout um and so you know we have our i think i've i found my representation in like the spaces where i need to for example like seeing soft power at the public Oh, I haven't seen it. I wish I went. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, you fucked up. It was so good. Oh, oh I'm so mad. Cause like Cindy Tai, when I interviewed her, she said soft power was one of her favorites. Literally, I literally cannot even like begin to explain to you like the like opening the playbill and seeing like a stage management team full of like Asian names. I was like, this is what the fuck I'm talking about. This is what I want. Like, this is what we've been like pushing for. Like, if you're gonna have a show about a certain group of minorities, maybe like the people that they're talking to should also be a certain group of minorities because they're gonna understand, they get it. And also like having, you know, the, a deeper like cultural understanding, like automatically, like just like in general, a deeper level of understanding, like being able to understand your cast in like a way that you can serve them better. You really drive the point where it's so important 
those people that are the cast should also be represented in or represented in the stage management in the whole production team in recognizing this cultural like specificity and the nuances that go into it because when you don't live this experience as someone who's not a person of color um, who's not black or who's not indigenous you will never fully understand you can understand the like general theory of certain things but you won't ever be able to fully experience it because of how you look and how you've kind of grown up in this environment which i think is something so important to recognize when it comes with like stage management um are there certain like other than soft power were you able to see these production teams are there like modes of like inspiration that you see um either on film or television or any other like performing arts part where you see this like ideal role that you would want to play a part in kind of then projecting more so in the future of what you hope to see within your career um within my career specifically i think as a stage manager one of my favorite things is helping to build a show from the ground up and i like that's why you know my focus is mainly on like new musicals because i love seeing like where they go how they adapt how they develop and i think my dream is to be able to like work on you know this like you know like soft power like that is that was a new musical and so like just seeing like knowing the effect it had on me if i can also work on shows like that like that i've never felt so validated by a show you know um you know it's like with other you know fucking miss saigon it's like very like feels like very like exploitative being like oh look at this like poor southeast asian country and their issues and oh my god what could we possibly do to help them mm -hmm. um and so like it just it just feels like fucking like gross um you know and so seeing shows like like i would love to work on more shows like written by asians for asians of asians because it's just very having that connection with you know other people who understand like it's it's very like i'm not going to show up like you know you have your little like cast dinner moments like i'm not going to show up with pigs in a blanket i'm going to show up with gyoza I'm like you know that's it's, it's yeah. like familiar you know you understand <laughs> it's like that deeper level of understanding that like really does bring you closer because not only is like theater about like creating you know something that goes on a stage like it really is about like you know that community and like having those personal um relationships with people that's like really important to like the way i operate it's like i don't because I'm like one of those people where I'm like, I don't want to commit to something if I know that I'm not going to love it because mm -hmm. it's going to be hard for me to bring my every, because like, you know, you really love a project, like you just throw yourself in there. Um, and like, as you know, working in like that managerial role, like I really want to be able to bring like 110% and like really give my all. And so, you know, just having like a variety of like more shows that I can like connect with is like something that I would like to see and something that I would love to help facilitate and like get more of those out there. When it comes with like looking for shows that you potentially like I know you're at an age where it's like you're still learning and figuring out different productions and managements that you like want to put your like effort into. Um, are there specific things 
or themes that you really love that just draw you into it where you're like, yeah, this is the one where it's like, this is a good show. This is where I'm going to put my all. I love shows that are like you read, you read the script and you're like, this is a little fucking nuts. This is insane. Are you kidding me? Like those are the shows. I love those shows. I'm like, cause I'm like, um, you know, like serious shows. I'm like, I don't think I am a very serious person. Um, you know, I love to have my little giggles, my little laughs. Um, if you know, you've ever seen me work as like a props PA on a show or like, you know, props ASM or whatever, like, you know, I've created some like wild props because it's fun. Like I, like, I think theater is like meant to be fun. So if I'm reading a script, I'm like, this sounds fucking insane. Great. I'm in, you know, along that vein, shout out to uh, Yoni and Mark for I Do Believe in Fairies because that is exactly the thought process I had. That show was fucking nuts, but I had a great time on it because it was fucking nuts. Um, another show I had a really, really good time on. Um, it, it was a production assignment, so, you know, I didn't, you know, thanks, Chris. Um, I didn't really get much of a choice on it. It was Julio um yes oh my god um especially because it was you know written by someone who was of the community it was about mm -hmm. and you know coming from you know the nightmare show that i described earlier straight into that one it was like a world of difference i was like you know you you hear about like one isolated incident and then you're like you're like yeah that's like not great and then you come into a show the way it's supposed to be and you're like oh that was fucked up that was a situation that should not have happened and so you know it was like shows like that where i was like really solidified like my philosophy as a stage manager i was like this is how theater should go um and you know for me it's like not a very flexible philosophy having like done like both sides of the spectrum i'm like there's a way that these shows should be done and this is how we should be doing them because there is an effect on those around you. Like if the show, you know, they're kind of putting, they're kind of like risking the actors, mm. you know, like in that nightmare show I was talking about, it was like, they were very much like the actors were like, they weren't, they were almost like puppets in a sense, which is like really nasty um to like even like think about it that way but they were just like there to like execute the roles and that was it mm. like the show that i went on to after julio was like very much like were these roles like changed for the actors and that was like a world of difference because it was like you know not only does it show that like you give a shit about your cast but it's also like their backgrounds are important to you how they create is important to you that kind of yeah. thing I think that's so important because it's like when I hear like interviews like oh how for more so with film but like how things are made it's like when a script is done but also you take in account with like the actors and like oh their story and how can I like help them in terms of their journey in like exploring this character like I think that's really important instead of being like well here's this like written role for you you either take it or not like this is for your my way it's like it's for my portfolio so i don't really need to cater it towards you because i am this like a grade artist who's like written all this stuff you hit the nail on the head because then you know like it's supposed to be a collaborative effort it's not just 
oh, well, I have the name on the show and good job to me. It's like, no, you also have to be in this process of recognizing that these people are actually people who are not only doing the characters, but then they're themselves and they bring their essence into it. And you really have to take that into consideration. Are there any like forms of entertainment that you specifically draw inspiration upon when it comes with like props or just making just kind of makes you motivated as like a stage manager to be like yeah I want to make this project like happen you're not in a creative field if you're not creative at heart like anyone like if you talk to like literally anyone like they'll be like yeah I started out like as a performer like that's why I'm here like for the art like maybe I wasn't very good but I still wanted to be involved like I still wanted to be a part of it and like that's not like that's not just for theater that's true for like film and music like very much so like one of um my mentor um he started out like as a drummer and then he moved into tour management because we are all creative at heart and I think that's really what drives us in terms of inspiration for props trash not like in a bad way but also like you know new musicals are typically low budget and i'm like i kind of want to see what i can do with like the very little i have i'm also like the kind of person i'm like the worst person to go out on walks with because like if i see like a really good trash pile like i'm gonna want to go through it i made a fairy wand for Pete Herpan. It was my first PNM that I worked on and it was like this stick that I found somewhere and I like wired, this is where the robotics comes in handy. I like soldered it all together. So like, you know, it would wrap all the way up. There's like a light at the end. If you clicked it once, it would stay on steady. If you clicked it twice, it would flash and three times it was off. It was so much fun. The absolute skill you have is just <laughs> impeccable. <laughs> wow. Like, oh my God. Oh, and Chris Zicardi fully knew about this because, you know, I was like, I was like, Chris, look at the sick fucking prop I made. And so the next, yeah, so like the following semester in stage management too, one of the projects is to make a prop. And um, Chris is one of his favorite things. He always does like some really fucked up stuff. So I, um, I know one of my ASMs for PNM this year, uh, Jacob had to make like a dead goat. <laughs> Um, and then my year, uh, Matthew Geiler, hi Matthew, love you, um, he had to make like a full-size dead body and I remember like him calling me on FaceTime like his, <laughs> his pants are wrapped in duct tape to like make the form for the dead body. Incredible, absolutely incredible. I think like the RAs adopted him, but in my case, Chris had me create two boxes. It was first box when he opened it like there would be light that came out and then the second box when you open it it would be wind and so I like wired them and put like switches in the side so when you open the box you flip the switch and things happened I'm like not joking when I say like I really do believe like my entire childhood was is very formative to who I am now super inspiring because like then you're recognizing you don't necessarily have to know where you're gonna be at right now like you don't know how the whole pandemic is going to roll out and how your career is going to be once live theater is back again and stuff. But like, you know that you already have all these skills within you that just get you to where you need to be. Are there certain people that you look up to or figures that give you this sense of comfort? Not within like the shockingly like the Asian American community, um, which is like just like because like Asian American stage managers like there we're here we are very much here but like we are very few and far between in terms of like another field that I'm like kind of starting out working in tour management definitely like two people I look up to Tina Ferris she's the tour manager for the Roots um, 
she like just reading her interviews i'm like man she's so fucking cool um and then another one my mentor uh david Fywood norman um who he tour managed for like prince earth wind and fire you know he's the coolest guy i know um i'm gonna like make sure he listens to this because i'm like i didn't even know i gave you shout out because you're cool as hell i'll like do a zoom on him he's got like his little prince guitar hanging in the background it like intimidates the hell out of me every single time i look at it um but like those are two people that like i really look up to despite the fact that like you know i'm not the same kind of minority like i'm asian american they're both um they're black african-american um you know it is still the struggles of like working in these very white fields as well is like something that's like very comparable it's something um you know david and i have had a couple conversations about um and it's also there's also another initiative i work with called diversify the stage specifically for touring i actually had a meeting with them earlier today um it was um founded by uh noelle skaggs of fits and the tantrums uh also very cool she's a fellow packers fan we all see the barriers that keep these worlds of live entertainment from becoming like diverse you know that keep them the very like homogenous looking fields that they are but with diversify the stage what they do is they bring in cohorts and they you know educate them on the world of like live entertainment specifically for like concert touring but once they go through they do the program they're then placed into like paid internships and through there you know they make their connections and they're able to like work their way up into the industry um and i think like it's really an incredible thing that they do is you know recognizing where like the you know the barriers and the inequities lie and being like great this is how we're going to try and bypass it to bring all these new people in they also partnered with never famous it's almost like a yellow pages like that's focused on bringing in more diversity just like for more experienced uh, people working in the touring industry so um that's like really the kind of like active representation like advocacy that i have in my life right now very fulfilling and it's like nice to see especially considering like many of the cohorts that come through dts are you know young women like i am with all of those you know a lot of these like young women of color coming into the industry like we're gonna be okay like maybe not now but like at some point like we will be at a point where we're gonna feel okay and we're gonna feel comfortable and um, we're really going to create these spaces that are safer for each other. This representation that maybe not necessarily we see like a lot of Asian American um, representation onto it, but you still have people of color representation so far. Do you see something within the industry like that you're working in? Different venues actually, like live theater, like even within touring, that there's more like inclusion of representation? It's definitely changing for the better. Um, you know, it's a very slow, so slow, such a slow change, but it is happening uh, because, you know, literally watching the results of it like play out in like real time in front of me, like watching these cohorts from DTS, like land these internships and start working their way up. It's like, they're just now getting started. Like I am just now getting started. You are just now getting started. Imagine what it's going to be like in a couple decades when we are in positions to bring in more like women of color into these industries. We're all determined. I like fully believe like we're all gonna do well, we're all gonna succeed and we're gonna, you know, one day like be able to bring in more people because we've like, 
I think we'll all be enough in like positions of power that we'll be able to, you know, bypass the struggles for like a new generation coming in and just help them come in and focus on their dreams, their goals, their industry, what they want to be working on. I feel like as an actor individually, I'm like, oh my God, I have so much doubt. I'm like, oh, like, do I deserve to be in this industry? Or is this like the kind of representation people want to see? Like, like these are all things that I've been thinking, but it's like, oh, am I able to have a foot in the door in the industry? And that's something that I think about. But then I think it's so important to recognize like now more than ever, like we're really focusing on like we have a whole generation of people like are around our age that wants to bring change into it. And as you mentioned, like see how years like 10, 20 years later, how are things going to change? I ideally hope that we are actually I'm going to do how your mom probably says. <laughs> things actually like when we get there um we're gonna see so much of this absolute like community that we're focusing on bringing and allowing people to not feel as alone as maybe people have felt 10 20 years ago uh it's so soothing and comforting to recognize that what do you ideally like hope to do or your aspirations for the future i think an outlandish goal i have i think would be insanely cool to do it only um we, uh, the stage managers did a masterclass with the stage managers for the Olympics. And when I tell you like, oh my God, I cried watching the video of them call, like full on tears. I got like so overwhelmed because it was so grand and like such a spectacle. That's something I would love to do someday. Like I'm not like going for it, but like if the opportunity arises, like no problem, I'll drop whatever. Um, and then like, just in terms of like, personal goals as like a stage manager or like a tour manager it's like I would much rather like work on like a small show with like a group of of people that I care deeply about that care deeply about the show than like a huge like Broadway show where like no one really gives a shit about each other which I know like isn't like just just for you know for the sake of the example because I know it's like not really like that you know I would rather like work with like a smaller band that like I can empathize with on a personal level, you know, um, it's, it's still like, you know, this is still like taking into consideration, like boundaries and stuff like that, because boundaries are important um, than like a big band where it's like just very like isolated and alone. Personal relationships are really like, are what's most fulfilling for me, like as like working in like live entertainment management. I can't wait to see um, your future endeavors as you maneuver the Olympics and also <laughs> concerts that are to happen. <laughs> What do you find is to be acting Asian for you? It is very much my core identity. Um, you know, it informs how I treat other people, um, what I eat in a day. Um, I, I don't know if you saw my story, but I've been like trying really hard to perfect my tamagoyaki and I like send my mom updates about it. <laughs> so nice. I've seen it. It looks really <laughs> nice. <laughs> Um, but it's like really something that just right off the bat allows me, you know, really gives me such like a solid community and like kind of an identity that I like personally don't really like, I don't have to sit there and like soul search about who I am as a person. It's like these kind of cultural guidelines that I've grown up with have you know, served me very well um, so far in my life. What I find to <laughs> stage managing Asian. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs>
I think about like white people. I'm like, imagine like not growing up with like Oden. Like that is so sad to me. Like eating a big bowl of Oden on like a cold day is like the best thing ever. And it's like, I feel so bad for people who haven't had that. It's the little things that like really make me very happy, I would say. Do you have any projects or any things that you want people to know about? So I think my biggest thing that I want people to know about, spread the word. I post this, I repost their stuff on my socials all the time at Diversify the Stage um, on Instagram. Uh, I've talked about it earlier before. Also, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's at mmina, M-I-N-A, cop, K-O-P-P. -P. You'll notice me from the green hair. If there's anyone who's listening that does not know what I look like, I have green hair. Um, just so you know, <laughs> um, I would also like to give a shout out. Oh my God. Um, quick, very quick backstory. My tour management kind of um, thing started like last year and I have to give like a huge shout out to at tour management 101. I think it's T-O-U-R-M-G-M-T 101. Incredible resource. They, it's like a group of insanely like the amount of experience between like these people is mind-boggling it's a little scary um it they literally like every week they do like a youtube uh stream or like a zoom stream and it's like a full like full semester and a half of classes up there right now it's completely free it's on youtube go watch it yeah i also um to my parents if you have listened this far um genuinely sorry for all of the bad words that i said but also um you know I was raised by a Marine, so I don't know what the hell you expected. <laughs> Everyone floss your teeth. I know my mom would want me to say that. Everyone floss your teeth. <laughs> I will do that tonight. I will do that tonight. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Acting Asian. If you enjoyed, please subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Leave a comment if you'd like, recommend it to other people. I really appreciate you all for taking the time to listen to these very important stories, and I will see you on the next episode of Acting Asian.